0: Now, the lounge is full of farmers for the drop. Teammates all left before they had to bite around. When they pull the 50 50. Hey, everybody, welcome, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. My name's Ryan McGee. I'm coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. And joining us as always, our Professor of Peel in Southampton, England, it is Jonathan Habercroft. Jonathan, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh,
1: we don't do Thanksgiving over here, Ryan. Uh, they kicked the pilgrims out of this country. You should. So why isn't that, <laughs> shouldn't that be celebrated? Uh, I think it's just not thought of at all. Right, (laughs) actually, the pilgrims the Mayflower did sail from Southampton, it stopped in Southampton before going to Plymouth. So, there is a Southampton connection.
0: Is there like Uh, a monument or anything like that?
1: There is a very crappy and humble park called Mayflower Park that they are going to renovate for the I guess it's going to be the 400th anniversary coming up of the Mayflower, but in a couple years' time. So, uh but it's not what you'd think it is. Is how I'll put it. It's I, I was excited when I saw it when I first got here, and it's not um, not what it would be if it was in America. I'll put it like that.
0: So basically, they're they're celebrating that those people left the country. Is that what that monument basically is?
1: I mean, they were refugees, which meant they were you know chased away because they didn't want them around anymore.
0: It's not. It's not like losing the pilgrims was. A big loss for England, right? No,
1: they had they had other things going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it's a non-event over here. Although they're starting to do Black Friday here, which doesn't make much sense to me. Because it makes no sense. But they do do Black Friday, so there's Black Friday sales all over the place. Although there's no Thanksgiving, so
0: and you don't have you definitely I. I technically didn't have that day off I had to take. I took PTO so I could go watch Virginia Tech play UVA in football. But I assume England does not have Black Friday off. No.
1: We got we got nothing off. Although I will say that Christmas here is pretty nice like I'd say pretty much from about the twentieth of December through to January second, there's basically no expectation of of work. Like the the country does shut down for a good two weeks. which Oh man, uh, that sounds great. It's nice and uh, yeah, I kind of I like I like Christmas season here. It's it's not quite the same as the US, but it's a bit more uh, uh, a bit a, a bit different, but a bit jolly still. So yeah, there's no snow, which I miss, but yeah, Christmas time's always good.
0: Nice. Well, that's uh, that's still a ways away. We still have a whole month, a whole yeah. month of commercialism to get through before before Christmas. Um, well, we've wasted a bunch of time because we have a ton of actual curling things uh, to talk about, including considering we have this story is now well over a week old, but we also haven't talked to each other since it happened. So is this. Is this something we actually have to talk about? Do we have to do this? We don't have to, but we We can kind of have to because we kind of have to because we run a curling podcast, right? All right. This is what I'll say
1: about the story is this is how big it is, is an Australian guy in my department who is a cricket fanatic and knows nothing about curling came into my office to ask me about this story. So an Australian living in England
0: cares about this incident. So how did this happen? Like, how did this get, and if you're, if you're wondering what we're talking about, we are talking about the Ryan Fry situation. So how did this get to this point? How did this get so big? It was the timing, right? It was when it happened. It happened on a nothing weekend where nothing else was going on, right? That helped. I think that helped. I
1: think, well, I think two things. I think uh, from a media management perspective, <laughs> I think Chris Shelley's tweets probably did not help in the initial round, right? That I think the initial story was Shelley complaining on Twitter about the team being thrown out of the spiel, and that's probably what made it blow up when they got a lot of clap back from other people who were there. And and that probably uh, you know, once the Twitter verse gets going and something goes viral, that probably spun it up pretty quickly. And it's kind of how at least on my my at least on my timeline feed that how it seemed that's how it seemed to go down
0: but this really should have been a curling story this shouldn't have been international headlines i mean but so part of it is an olympic gold medalist was involved yeah and no i think doubt. part imagine if that had happened this last weekend though it happens on a what is basically a 4-day weekend in the us so you don't have us us media markets us media outlets probably aren't going to go as haywire on it as they would have two weeks ago, because there's so many other sports things happening in the U.S. this last weekend. Do you think it goes as viral as it did um, if it had happened Thanksgiving weekend rather than the United States Thanksgiving weekend rather than the weekend before with nothing else going on?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I that mean, definitely pays into part of it, right? I think it, it was definitely picked up in UK media. I saw it on BBC Sports, and it was um, it was definitely like a slow sports day here too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's not much going on. A wasn't it the, the, wasn't it the international match. break? It's the international break, but yeah. the the matches. Are I mean, I guess technically it's that new Cup of Nations thing, but that's not a big thing yet. And then uh, there's a bit of international rugby going on, which has its own following, obviously. But it's it's kind of a sports dead zone time here as well. So if, if you can see like a local producer is looking for a story and they throw that on for just to fill up 30 seconds. So uh, that definitely played into it. Uh, I mean, I'm struck by like how – so I guess there's two parts to this, right? Is is that the way it was portrayed in the media is drunk curlers got thrown out of a bond spiel. And so yeah. if you're a curler, I, like to me that's like the ultimate dog bites man story, right? Like curlers yeah. being drunk at bond spiels is not anything new, <laughs> I'd say. And I, don't, I haven't seen that many teams thrown out of spiels over the years, but certainly – Certainly happened one or two times, or at least a player being kicked out of a club for just getting way too drunk. So that, that's not, I think in this case, that's not really what happened here. It's obviously, we haven't got the full story yet, at least the official version, but. Uh, we kind of like, did. Yeah. World so what, Curling
0: we, Tour put out that Facebook post that basically said that it was all Ryan's Ryan Fry's fault.
1: Yeah, so it looks like in the end it was all Ryan well. So the the story still is a bit sketchy to me, but it sounds like they got really drunk, went to go on the ice. So apparently Jamie Cooey tried to slide, couldn't, and then stopped playing. Is that that correct? Yeah.
0: I, I'm not sure if those are the if the, if those details are correct, but from what everything I've seen, Jamie Cooey did sit basically bench himself for that game. So he was yeah. not playing. He was not on the ice during the the game where they were ejected from the spiel
1: yeah and so then apparently there was brooms being broken and and i've heard different versions one is that some of the other teams
0: brooms were broken but i heard that version as well but but
1: once things get going the rumors get going but anyway so apparently brooms were broken and then the locker room was damaged and there's a picture on twitter that went around with a hole punch in the locker room wall and the people saying other things
0: I mean, I mean even that, was, that, that was a that was that was a broom-sized hole. That wasn't really a fist-sized hole. So I think I mean in the process of breaking other property, that hole may have occurred. Okay. Anyway, even, even that
1: like there's an episode in early in Wayne Madow's career where uh he got thrown out of a spiel or got in trouble for trashing a locker room after a bad loss. So it's not even that's not it's not the best, right? But I think you've also seen Players take losses badly or not in the best way, right? Yes, <laughs> so uh, you know uh, them getting thrown out. I mean, the, the, all those things have happened before. I think it's just the combination of a, like you said, the time of year. B, because you have an Olympic gold medalist involved. That's I think that to me is the 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 kind of fuel on the fire, right? That's the the ignition. You know, it's not just like a random curler; it's a gold mm-hmm. medalist from the last cycle. So. That kind of gives it an angle. And then it obviously is that curling's going big now. And maybe, I mean, if if you want a silver line here, it's probably like curling's old image, certainly in Canada, when curling first got in the Olympics, is basically a bunch of drunk people have calmed their way into the Olympics. And now people being drunk seems to be a scandal in curling. Yeah. So we've kind of come full circle here, right?
0: Yeah. And. The, the other issue is we're going to have to deal with this again because you're going to have to deal with it again when Brad Jacobs is again available to the media, which I think is going to, I think is going to be the Canada cup. It's going to happen again. The first time that Fry returns um, and is on the team and is available to the media. And then it's going to happen again at the briar because that's when every piece of curling media available is together in one spot is the briar so unless fry unless fry doesn't come back until the briar we're gonna have this is gonna spiral up three more times before we're done with it or if they miss the briar that's the other that's the other option (laughs) then you'd only have to deal with it twice more
1: well, yeah, Id well, it'll come up with the Canada cup for sure, right I think the other I mean the other part to this is is Fry taking a leave and that we don't really know fully what's going on, but you can you know the statements out there and so it sounds like he's he sees this as not just one episode but he's sounds like he's recognized that there's a deeper problem here and so there's an interesting question about how that story plays out also, right? That if he, yeah. he goes into some kind of recovery process or kind of, and he's obviously kind of admitted there's a bigger problem here to deal with. So I, I presume at some point there'll be the, the comeback story, right? That we, yeah. have seen you, in a lot of other he, sports
0: too. He does need some image rehab and so hopefully he gets the help that he needs. And if you're, if you're Brad Jacobs, you also, don't want this messing with your Penties money that you're getting. So you again, you're taking all the right steps. I mean, it's amazing. We're seeing the playbook play out in curling that we're used to seeing in other professional sports. <laughs> well, they I mean they they
1: have to, as like an Olympic gold medal team, have to have some kind of media management, I assume, right? It's yeah, whoever books all their stuff, they must have some kind of agency representation now. So I'm sure once this hit the fans, A, the sponsors. At the very least, were not happy, <laughs> and probably a lot worse. And then, B, the management team probably helped guide part of this process. I assume, or at least it helps. You know, the, the messages were very well crafted. The right things were said. The right steps were taken. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think you know it's a as soon as it's a sad situation. There's you know, especially you don't want to see someone have to confront these bigger issues. But um, hopefully, like you said, he gets the help he needs and he comes back, and then. That certainly is also, as we've seen many times in sports, like a, a comeback story, a recovery story is also something the media finds very attractive too. So
0: And you know, this this story has been covered extensively by other people, including Game of Stones, Two Girls in a Game. And I think Mike Fournier's column on his blog, which you know, he a lot of times the stuff on his blog winds up in curling news, so maybe that one will as well. Uh, but I thought everything he said really hit every high point of what the issues are with this story. Um, and I'll let you go read Mike Fournier's blog to to read all those. Um, I, I I guess what I guess what I kind of want to say about it is there are a lot of a lot of good things about curling that have kind of come up about this. and I think the main thing is, You saw this story happen, and then you saw that the World Curling Tour said that they were uh, contemplating having a personal conduct policy. And I think it says a lot about curling about uh, the fact that they didn't really have the need to have one until now, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good thing with curling. Like, right? even even like when you're in international events with umpires, like the first thing you're told in the pre-event meeting is the umpires are to help you out. It's it's ultimately like the, the spirit of curling's in place, so they're not. The, it's not like in other sports where what the ump says goes as finality. They're there to help kind of interpret the rules, not necessarily enforce it. And sometimes that that you know, there's kind of been some famous incidents in the past few years where. Perhaps it might be better to have umpires rather than let the players always decide the issue. But, you know, we've seen a lot of episodes where uh, it's the players that have the final say whenever a controversy comes up on the ice. And it's certainly the case kind of off the ice too, that even in the dark days of Broomgate, it was the players that sat down and uh, worked the problem out rather than some kind of entity from above kind of imposing a solution, at least initially. So...
0: Mm -hmm. Well, if there's any positive that... Came out of it, and I well, there is a negative side to this coin too, but you probably have a lot of people who looked at curling as not being cool and seeing this happen and going, oh, well, maybe I should try this sport now. But then the other side of that is it kind of hurts you when you're trying to recruit you know, families to join your league and something like this comes out and they say, oh, I don't know if this is a family-friendly game when it might be one of the more family-friendly games out there, right?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess it, it's got a bit. I mean, to me, it's a bit surprising that it is a story that I mean, <laughs> like to, to pretend to to claim that there's no drinking and curling is to to be dishonest about what curling is <laughs> all about, right? So yes. Uh, so to me, part of the part of the shock is it's like, oh, this team got drunk is how the story is being portrayed, right? As opposed to
0: yeah, they didn't get kicked out for being drunk. They got kicked out for breaking stuff and being jerks
1: yeah for throwing a temper tantrum and i think that's or one or one particular player or one player right i think like like even yeah so even the sportsmanship part of the game that's true but certainly if you've been around any curling club there's always a broom slammer or two in any draw right there's there's Mm -hmm. always one or two people and you know it's not i'm not saying anything out of school to say that fry had a bit of a reputation for for being a broom slammer and uh i mean even shilly was thrown out of a provincial final a few years back for for rock imagine chris shilly
0: so. imagine chris shilly having to be like it wasn't me this time <laughs> exactly but chris Schilly is the voice of reason <laughs> anyway yeah, i chris mean the
1: voice of reason <laughs> yeah so yeah they, like we we shouldn't be clutching our pearls here like oh my god there's you know no (laughs) players behaving badly like all of these things have happened before like you said it's partly partly the weekend it happened partly the fact that gold medalist was involved partly that we're in the age of twitter right that uh all those things kind of let it blow up but it's not like a common thing either like i can think of i was i was kind of scratching my head and i can think of one or two really bad episodes that i've seen at spiels over the years uh you know, that's, that's 30 years of curling there. So uh, it's rare that it happens, but it's not like I've never seen anything like this happen before
0: either. So. And you're right about, you know, in the age of Twitter, because, you know, when, when you see these guys play at the big time events that are televised, they mind their P's and Q's a little bit more than if you watch an event that's you know, one of the random weekend tour events that just happens to be on YouTube, you'll catch a lot more F-bombs during those events than you will when, uh, when it's being televised. Um, so this might be a wake up call to these guys that if you're in a tour event and not just, you know, at a end of season beer spiel, you know, if you don't want it printed, don't do it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's definitely true. I, I was at the the worlds, I won't name the player, but it was a high profile player. He missed a shot. And what I know this player to my, my mind, because I've only seen him play on TV, he he's not known as a broom slammer. <laughs> but as soon as they cut the break after he missed the shot, there was a three very hard whacks on his, on the sideboard. And I was like, Oh, I guess that guy is a broom slammer too. So it's clear to me that, you know, this player at least had figured out uh how to contr- bottle up the rage at least while the cameras were on and then use the time use the t v timeout to <laughs> to whack away so
0: uh there there was another good one it was a video from it was from the Scottish playdowns a few years ago and um Dave beat Brewster to win the Scottish playdowns and as soon as the that was the other
1: way around I, I think I think it didn't brewster beat beat dave that year
0: i've I don't remember, but it wasn't. It wasn't either of the skips, but the one just hits a stone, and the the handle just goes flying across the screen.
1: Yeah, he just whacked. That <laughs> was like that went. Uh, that went a little viral on on uh, social media. That was pretty funny, uh, too. Uh, anyway, I mean that was a national final, but it just, again, it's not the best way to <laughs> to. to uh, get upset about your loss, but it certainly does happen. I'd say. I was so. impressed
0: with the distance that he got on that handle, though.
1: Yeah, I don't think he was trying. I don't think he was trying to take the handle off either. Was yeah. he? I think he was just like taking a golf swing. Like if, if anything, I would have bet that the head of the broom would have gone, not the not the handle
0: on the rock. Yep. All right, so. I guess we should switch to on ice goings on. And speaking of Team Scotland, they are European men's champions after Bruce Muitt upset Nicholas Adine in the final there in Tallinn. So Scotland wins gold on the men's side, uh, on the women's side. Anil Hasselborg, you know, if you just look at the results and you see Hasselborg won, you'd say, oh, yeah. Same as same as it ever was, right? But that that team kind of struggled early in the week and came back and qualified for the playoffs and then won and then won a tight game in the final uh, to win gold there at European. So looking at Muett beating Nicholas Adine, is that kind of a changing of the guard? You have the young team winning gold and ending Adine's European streak.
1: Oh, uh, I, I mean that was a close game, right? That was like scoring a two on the last end to to win it. Um I, I don't think it's, I don't see that as a changing of the guard. Like, like as long, the only question mark with the Dean is he's had a couple of back surgeries. So it, it, that always makes you a bit, a bit nervous, but like his team is in some ways, I, I think their early season form fooled me. Like being able to watch the euros and kind of watch like basically every night being able to come home and watch some curling, which was nice for me. Uh, like they're still the strong a Dean team. They've always been. They're not, they're not going anywhere. That was just one game. I think it's more that Muett is pretty much entrenched himself now in like the top top five teams in the world. Right in the year to date, they're they're right up there. And uh, following on from their bronze last year and uh, their slam win last year, I think I think it's more they've just arrived and they're going to be a team that's going to be there for the for the quad for sure and for many years more. But it's. It's probably the rival, the European rivalry to watch for the next four years is going to be a Dean Muit, rather than a Dean kind of going into decline. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Although, all so we'll we'll be following these two out of Europe almost, you know, all the way through uh, through the next Olympics, right? To Beijing,
1: and I think you know, to me, the one team that underperformed this week was I had I had Switzerland winning, and maybe you know Muir. Opted not to go to and Hasselberg opted not to go to the slams, And DeCruz did and went one. but then they came back and they didn't have that – they had they didn't have a terrible week, but they were kind of just off here or there. And maybe that was the difference between them uh making the medal round and not. But you know, De Cruz is the other team that I think's really uh kind of become um uh kind of like the, the third power if you want in Europe at the moment. So they'll all be there for the next for the next cycle for sure and I think it's matter you run that competition three different ways you may get three different outcomes.
0: Maybe even bigger stories were the two teams that won bronze, the Italian men and the Germany women and these are two teams, you know, you had veteran skips who have been into, been in this event a lot and have finally won Medals. So, how, how big are those stories for those two teams to to have good weeks, make the playoffs, and come away with medals?
1: Yeah. So, Italy. I think. So, I think you put it up on Twitter the the one team we didn't talk about at all was Italy. Correct. We didn't even mention them in passing. We didn't mention them in passing, and it's the I, I've got to say the Soren Grand approach to coaching is controversial to say the least. There's certainly been some controversies when he was kind of head coach in Team GB, but. Uh, it does get results, he does get medals, and he does get his teams into the Olympics basically everywhere he goes. Uh, and so, like, the weird thing about the Italian team is that Moss and our renterans, they spent the year split up, both skipping separate teams, and then they were formed into a team just for the Euros. And so, I one they, of the reasons they,
0: they, they had played together for the previous four years, so it's not like they were completely new teammates who didn't know what the other was doing
1: no that that's true but it's still a it's, it's a weird way to go about things and so one of the reasons they were at least an afterthought in my mind was you know they it's i guess i mean it's, it's we've seen it work before with curling but it's it's you know it's not perhaps the best way to go about things certainly not the normal way to go about things and it's it's hard to read um what you're going to get out of that but uh it worked really well this week at least and they got a medal and uh they got they they snuck in that last spot for the Olympics last year and so they're probably like Italy's kind of maybe not a favorite yet for world medals but certainly in the worlds this year it's going to be, you know, probably, you know, in that 4 to 6 range for sure, maybe threatening for the medal round position, right? But with top 6 making the playoffs, they're probably going to be able to grab a playoff spot for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And along with Along with Peter de Cruz, the Stefan Wallstad team was the other team that kind of struggled. Uh, they finished five and four. You had three teams: five and four, de Cruz, Walstad, and the German team uh, skipped by Mark Uh, and they they're the ones who snuck into the playoffs and wound up losing in the bronze medal game to Italy. Uh, were you surprised by the? I know I was surprised by the German team.
1: I'm. I guess I'm not. I think so. A couple of things have happened, right? So one is the tie. Basically, they've gotten rid of tiebreakers in virtually every kind of international competition now, and so it's down to DSC. And so when you get those three-way ties, it comes down to DSC. And, and certainly, that's a skill set, but that's not necessarily the same skill as performance on the ice. And so you know, it's one like of the-
0: Like the shootout in in the NHL, right? Yeah,
1: right. And so it's fine. I mean, you've got to break tiebreak some way. And as much as the old tiebreak system was fun where, you know, it's also playing games at 2 in the morning, which you'd sometimes get with tiebreakers, is not the best way to to run a tournament. And so, um, you know, one way of looking at it is, yes, they finished – fourth, uh, and kind of overall, but they also finished in that fourth to sixth range, which, you know, personally, I I didn't really see the Germans going down and I didn't see them meddling. And so they kind of fell in that, if you think of it in terms of like tiers, they fell into the tier that I thought
0: they were going to fall into, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. On the women's side, the surprise to me was Latvia with Evita Stasasarsana going four and five. And they were a win away from possibly depending on what the DSC was going to be. Sneaking into the playoffs, but they finished uh, Tied at 4-5 and five with Eve Muirhead, who also Struggled this week, but again, as we have said Is coming off of surgery, is still Kind of easing her Way uh, back into Competing um, So Germany with Daniela Ginch Beats Alina Kovaleva For bronze, uh, Hasselborg Beat Tiranzoni. Tiranzoni, uh Went 9-0 and in The round robin and then rounds up Losing in that last game in that gold medal game uh, to Anna Hasselborg, who collects collects another piece of hardware,
1: and that they, the, for them that completes the set, right? So they've have they got their worlds yet?
0: No, they, they, lost, so uh, they lost to they
1: lost the gen, so they they still got to the, they still got to get the worlds, but they've got their Olympic medal. They lost last year's Euro, so they want they wanted this one badly this year. They've got their slams, um, so yeah, they're definitely I guess they're definitely got the worlds in their crosshairs now, but. Uh, and they're going to be written for a long time. Yeah, I mean they're they're young too. They've got they, they've got another decade plus if they want it. So uh, and they they're they're definitely the most dialed in women's team right now in curling. So uh, they'll be fierce come
0: come March. How did Eve look? Did you get to watch many of those games?
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, to be honest, um, well, she, we didn't see the outcome of the shot, but like the the bad break for her, she had like one of the worst picks I've ever seen, <laughs> like with her last shot, she comes sliding out and then she, she fishtails and then she's like, shoves the stone and she goes, at picks, she also at she's picked and the camera zooms in and there was like a foot long, like really deep scratch in the ice. So she, she got basically got bounced on a picked rock. Um, oh, man. and so if she'd made that shot, she would have won that game and would have probably been in the playoffs, right? That, that one extra win would have probably got her in. So, Part of it was bad luck. Like Eve herself seemed fine. She didn't look like it. it she didn't like there was no like obvious struggle with her delivery or anything. Maybe there's still a, a like a mental thing of like not having full confidence yet when you come back from an injury. That's kind of certainly common. But like to me, the biggest difference is the team dynamic isn't there yet. That um, like – like Anna Sloan did a lot for that team. the 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 other three players on that team were like really introverted. Anna Sloan was kind of the energy person on that team, and the, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem to have the same energy without her. Is kind of my my read on the team, and so it could just be you know full, new lineup plus Vicky. I guess Chalmers now she's she's vicing in sweet, but throwing second still, which is always a bit of a, a weird combo in my opinion. So I think. I think to my read is they're a team that's still figuring it out. And this year is not go year for them, right? There's not, aside from just kind of obviously trying to win money and collect some points to kind of to keep themselves in the slams, it's not a year where they need to, to kind of qualify or win for anything. They're still going to go to the Worlds. They're still going to get into their slams. And so to my read is that this is kind of a figure it out year for a new team that's really aiming to peak four years out from now.
0: Is that a team that, you know, if they don't get it figured out, is that uh, that a team that, you know, you might see British curling kind of shuffle the lineups there?
1: They might. I mean, to be honest, the women's side in British curling is very thin. It's basically Eve's team... The Sophie Jackson team, which is just out of juniors, they've got a lot of potential, but they've, they've still got a lot of seasoning to go through in my mind. And then there's really not much else in terms of signing up. Most of the, most of the Scottish women's teams last year were, were juniors teams who were just kind of added to the competition to fill it out or trying to get a bit more experience. So the, the gap between the Muirhead team and the other teams is is massive.
0: So I mean, we saw we saw Nicodine kind of almost extend his career by bringing in by bringing in Oscar Oscar Erickson's junior team to play play the rest of his lineup. Is that something that might that we might see happen down the road in in Scotland?
1: Maybe, but I mean, you got to keep in mind the Scottish women have been relegated to the World B pool like mm-hmm. two of the last three years, right? So it's it's like. Like in, me, in juniors, in juniors, right? So it's not like there's a lot of of uh, top tier teams coming up. Like I think the so, like the Sophie Jackson team, like she she got relegated, and then to her credit, kind of I was there, and she just destroyed the B pool, went up, and won silver the next year. Like she, like they they kind of put a lot of work in and got the results they were looking for. And I think they've got there's talent on that team for sure but it's not like the women's side of junior curling in Scotland's that strong at the moment. I actually think it's a bit of a, a kind of under told crisis. And, and the, to be honest, if Eve's hip does go, or if, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like the nicotine thing, like you, you hip surgery at 2930 is not, uh, not trivial. And so if, if mm-hmm. it's, if it's a, if it's the kind of injury that's career ending, um, Scottish curling on the women's side is like really in trouble. Like you could see Scotland really take a big tumble down the the world rankings, and so they just don't have a great farm system on the world on the women's side right now. It's not the the junior men kind of you know they got like Ross White's kind of he's still got another year or two of juniors and there's three or four other kind of teams in the junior boys side that are kind of of that level that you could see given the opportunity to kind of transform it as like top 30, top 20 teams in the men's tour in kind of pretty quick order, but there's just not that depth on the women's side.
0: We may be reading way too much into a four and five finish at Euros. The way, the way curling is, Eve could come back, win, win at the World Cup or whatever her next event is, and then medal at the medal at the Worlds, and then this conversation looks uh, winds up on uh, on cold ta- on the cold takes uh, Twitter account. Um, so we may be le- reading a little bit too much into that. Uh, looking. Looking down the standings for the men and the women, uh, I was completely wrong. Uh, I said that both Finnish teams would stay up. And on the men's side, Finland and Poland were relegated. And on the women's side, Italy and Finland were relegated. So on the men's side, the two teams that went up go right back down. The big news comes out of the B, and it's big news, particularly for one of the people uh, who co host this podcast. On the men's side, the two teams that promoted were Denmark and England. So, Jonathan, you have a chance, if you win playdowns later this season, to play in the European A's next year. Is that right? That is correct. The winner. And. Yeah, the winner gets to go to A's, and if they do well enough uh, later on at the World Qualification event, you might play in Worlds. Is that right? No, no. Someone, no? someone smart
1: thought about this scenario <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> and, and I'm actually glad because to so like like to be to be completely honest, like they're like the Reed team's good friends. I'm I'm ecstatic for them uh, and Andy. Andy Reid's kind of been the guy in English curling for for 20 years. He skipped the junior team that was the last time an England men's team represented England in the juniors. And I'm not quite sure the last time England had a team in the men's, but it's been it's been quite a while, like definitely over a decade, or probably over 15 years now. Um, and so one of the rules in the ECA constitution, which I've read quite closely, is that... <laughs> If a team through Europeans earns qualification to the Worlds, they get to re- they get the right to um, play in that Worlds, regardless of the outcome of the national championship. So our national championship in February will only determine the team for next year's Euros, and then that team will get to go as far as they can in the the World qualification ladder. So.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah, that's that, that, that was pretty smart on their part.
1: It was smart, and I mean, they've earned that right. Now, the wrinkle here for uh, Reed and Co. is that they have to go play in NASB, New Zealand. And my understanding is it's entirely self-funded because the English Curling Association has basically no no money. Oh, no. So they have to go to NASB, New Zealand, second week of January. And
0: that's a real, that's a really cheap flight. It's a
1: cheap flight. Right. And, um, go play there in an 18 tournament with two teams, qualify the two teams kind of winning the last spot for worlds. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of. I mean, I I think as I think for Andy, uh, just kind of going off his Twitter stuff. I had a chance to talk to him, uh, but he's ecstatic by this, and his goal is to get to win that event or finish in the top two in that event, and then get to Worlds. I know talking to him, his entire career goal is to get to World Men's. Like that's a, he's basically said to me that's you know that's the one reason he keeps curling now. He's done everything else. He thinks he can in the sport, but this is the one last thing he wants to accomplish. So. Uh, that's his goal, and him and the team are going to have to shout out a lot of money to fly to New Zealand.
0: Uh, do we need to world. start? Do we need to start a GoFundMe for for the English curling team to get to New Zealand?
1: Uh, they will probably start a GoFundMe, and hopefully, fans of the show will chip in a few coins to help them out. And they're not All the right. only ones in this situation, and I think. Like, uh, I was just texting with Lisa Farnell, who we can talk about her results in a second if you want, but I was just asking her what, what the word on the street was at Euros about the world qualification event. And she said, uh, people were not happy. There was a bit of talk about a boycott, but that apparently didn't go anywhere, uh,
0: there's a bit of. There's been a bit. I don't want to say. Shame. There's always. There's always a talk about a boycott until it's your team and you've got a chance to <laughs> exactly to, to go to the big show.
1: Exactly, but I think there's a bit like. So I don't want to say bad blood, but there's a bit of like. That's what, the, the the most charitable way to put this: is the World Qualification event hasn't been thought out fully, and it's not fully fair to all teams. So. One of the things that I noticed is on the women's side, New Zealand opted not to put a women's team into the Pacific Asian Championship because they were mm-hmm. hosting. And as hosts, they automatically got a berth in the world qualification event, right? So they their route is they've got to host this event. They don't have to travel. I, I suppose their pushback is we're in New Zealand. We have to travel everywhere for every other event. And now you get to know what we feel like. That's a bit of a fair point, but I don't like. I guess I'm against the idea that the teams can kind of pick and choose their path to the worlds. Uh, in the which team was it in the world in the Americas challenge? Is it on the women's side that Mexico?
0: The women's the women's side is Brazil, and the men's side is Guiana.
1: And so Brazil forfeited to the America. Didn't go to the US forfeit, and then got to go right to this world qualification event. Correct. Right. Okay, so the European teams. This is where I think the gripe comes in. The European teams have had to f- fund this event for. It's a ten-day event. Every player I talked to is saying you're talking fifteen hundred or two thousand pounds out of pocket expenses, right? And every how much is that in real money? Uh, it's like two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars, right, out of pocket. That's just for that event, right, per person. Per person, right? You got you get your flights. You got your you got to even with Airbnb and all that stuff, right? It's it's not cheap. I guess I guess Estonia is a bit cheaper than Switzerland or some of the Scandinavian countries, but still, you got to cover all those costs. If you're playing, if you're going to play at a standard that's kind um, of get you to kind of at least qualifying or being kind of viable as a qualifier, you've got to go out and play four or five events minimum before the Euros, right? So, and this is all self funded. Like none of the B pool countries have funding.
0: And these events don't have a purse, right?
1: There's no purse. They won. I, I am actually a bit jealous because I do love Gruyere cheese. So you do, as one of your prizes, you get a big hunk of cheese, a hunk of Gruyere cheese. So I'm kind of like- But you me, get like, no money. You get no money. <laughs> There's yeah. no money. And even if you
0: win- Because yeah, we've talked about this before. If you win worlds, you get no money.
1: No. Yeah. Well, okay. You don't get any money, but if you are a British athlete and you medal, there's there's an there's an Olympic athletes fund. So in theory, so like MUIT last year, they they actually got funding from um, the British Olympic Association because there's an there's an incentive pool there,
0: but not from the WCF.
1: Not from the WCF. No. So. I mean, the big issue here is that, and it's a bit—it's a bit like what's going on in North America. Kind of, there's a bit of clapback I saw on Twitter this week between John Cullen and some of the top uh, top curlers, and the the Game of Stones guys got into it a fair bit in their podcast. I'm not going to rehash that, but it's a, a bit of a similar issue that if you're at the top of the game right now you're getting a lot of funding and a lot of those issues go away, but the the next tier down, the kind of competitive, but not elite, if you will, are self-funding and the costs are only going up and up and up. And there's a fair question about do people simply not even bother to sign up that even if you, you know, even if, well, if we, let's say we sign we've signed up for the England men's, we, we sign up and we win. It's not one 2000 pound trip. It's, Three, I'd have to think through if I was kind of like playing the whole way out, right? So, and three kind of big long haul flights too. So that's just for that kind of pro- play down path progression, right? And that's, there's, there's got to be some other ways, right? That's the, that's the we got to think, I think really the WCF's got to think about the impact for if you really want to grow the sport. And it's great to see the Guyanas and the Mexicos and the Nigerias coming on board. Uh, and we don't want to stop that, but we also really need to think about what are you going to do for this next tier down? So they can get to a point in their curling countries and cultures where the sport is perhaps sustainable, where their national assemblies, national organizations can fund the teams. How can you put in place a model that doesn't crush it before they can get to that point where curling is big enough in that country that, uh, you know, funding two or three national teams and sending them to international competitions isn't a problem. But right now, to be honest, outside of the top six or seven countries in the world, uh, everyone else is paying out of pocket.
0: Mm -hmm. And on the women's side, that will be Estonia, which hosted the event. Uh, They they were promoted through the B-Pool and will go to the world qualification event and along with Norway. Friend of the podcast, Lisa Farnell, was... Almost in the playoff round for the potential to be promoted. Uh, Wound up losing out on draw shot challenge. Uh, Wound up uh, in a, I believe, three-way tie for that last spot in the playoff. Had a chance to win it uh, in the last draw. Wound up losing out on draw shot challenge. Um, So, you know, that team played well all week and just at the very end uh, lost out. Lost out uh, without without the chance to play it out for a tiebreaker. Yeah,
1: lost out by inches. So yeah, it was a tough one I think for them. Just talking to them, I think they said. T- I mean, this, the curling will break your heart. I've and I've had some heartbreaking losses uh-huh. over the years, and I know this one was a tough one for them. Uh, I mean, they were close, and that's the thing. If you keep knocking on the door, eventually the door will open. Uh, but uh, it's that's not much consolation after you just just miss out on on qualifying for something like that.
0: So they, they fall just short, uh, looking at our picks, uh, both of us, both of us picked Hasselborg to win on the women's side. And we were both correct. Uh, I picked, you picked a Cruz, and I picked Moot on the men's side. We both, if you go through the points of, you know, we picked the top three in the a pools, we picked who would get relegated. We picked who would get promoted. Uh, we wound up tied. And I am going to... We have, we wound up tied with eight points because you get a bonus point if you pick the winner of the A pool. And I am going to declare myself the winner because I picked both uh, both of the European champions.
1: So you picked both Muot and Hasselberg. Correct. That's good. And how did our friends on Game of Stones do? We don't know yet. <laughs> um, we're
0: still... We'll, we'll wait until they... They put out their scoring, but based on how we're headed for a recount, Ryan,
1: is that what you're saying?
0: We might. We're yeah. We're, Florida is going to decide uh, this election as well to decide, and I believe we the bet we settled on was the losers uh, have to drink the beer of the winners choosing, yeah. which. Uh, so start thinking about what awful beer available in Canada that uh, that we can make them drink. Wildcat. Wildcat.
1: That's what I drank when I was a student because it was cheap and it was terrible.
0: I have never heard of it's this. Y,
1: cause it's why? Ba- it's basically natty, Natty Ice or Natty Light. What's the what's the one in the US?
0: Natty Light. Natty Light is better than Natty Ice. Natty Ice is yeah. is awful. So fat. like Wildcat Natty, Natty Light is what most college students drink yeah, what, in the states. Whatever
1: the bad version of Wildcat is, they got to drink that.
0: Is that so is that a brewer?
1: Uh that's like the Labatt. So Labatt's cheap beer is
0: Wildcat. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Anheuser-Busch's cheap beer is, is Natural Light or Natural Ice. All right, so they, so we're going to – is that bad enough? Is there not a, there not a worse beer wow. that we can force upon them?
1: I remember that time I went to that bar and it was like a buck. A, it was the beer bag and you paid a buck. <laughs> and you, oh, you yeah. No, in place? Norman? Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean – Yeah, it was all the stuff that I drank when I was – it was like Minnesota's brew and pig's eye yeah. and all kinds of beers that are no longer produced. I got that can uh, of beer. <laughs> it was yeah. beer. That was, that was pretty yeah. bad.
1: No, it was beer 30. Beer 30. Is that what I got?
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's, the, so that's the, so what Jonathan's talking about, there's this bar in Norman when Jonathan, when I was living in central Oklahoma and Jonathan was a professor at OU, there was this bar and you paid a dollar and you got to stick your hand down in the tub of beer um, and just whatever you picked out, that was what you got. Uh, and the trick was to feel around for the slender can because that was a Coors Light and that was the best beer in the tub.
1: Yeah. Didn't they always put like one or two good ones in there? It was kind of part of the trick, right? They'd always try and they'd always have like no something. the one or
0: two, the one or two good ones were coors. Well. Okay,
1: yeah, but it was whatever. It was it was good for a buck and a laugh yeah. when you were drinking. Yep, um, but not curling because you don't want to drink and
0: curl. No, or yeah. So, kind of a. Uh, uh, kind of a slow week this week on tour. It's most of the American teams are going to go to Eveleth, Minnesota for a curl Masabi. Uh, I know our friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Stephanie Sineker, is going to the Listawell uh, women's classic in Ontario, but it seems like everyone else in the States is going to Eveleth for that spiel. Have you ever, did you ever play in that? I one?
1: did indeed with Joey Urgevec, who does follow our Twitter handle. So hopefully he's listening. We had we had a good time All there. Nice. It's a, it's is a nice facility. i got to say.
0: Yeah. And uh, it looks like it's getting some teams um, on the women's side. Uh, or no, on the men's side, um, Al Hackner's going to play in it. So it's like a bunch of American teams and Al Hackner. Yeah, well, Al Hackner,
1: like, the, the, I remember, I, I, I can't remember what spiel it was. But it was When I first moved to Minnesota, something up in the range, and I was just like, my mouth just dropped. It's basically a bunch of Minnesota teams, and I'm like, well, that's Al Hackner. i I never seen Al Hackner in the And I was like, <laughs> what is Al Hackner doing in this basically drunk spiel? <laughs> sure enough even Al hackner at 50 plus was mowing the field down uh nothing really changes but yeah so yeah. he, he you know, and then on- all these young guys who are like like the johnny mose the world who are retiring at 38 and i'm like Al hackner just never stopped curling right it's like i don't get the i don't get the i'm retiring
0: no he's still like I think he still plays seniors and may have won a couple of years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Right. He um, yeah so he's there on the men's side and then on the women's side, a bunch of American teams. And then Krista McCarvel uh, is going to play in that spiel as well. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be good to see. But next week things heat up and we have two big tournaments going on at the same time. Uh, one of them in the States, if you can believe it. Uh, and it is going to be the curling world cups. Second leg is coming to, um, one of the suburbs of Omaha called uh, Ralston, uh, Nebraska at Ralston Arena, which is they have a USHL team. It seats about 4,000 people. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are actually going to be there. But on the US side, you have John Schuster, Jamie Sinclair, and then the mixed doubles team is going to be Joe Polo and Tabitha Peterson, most of the good Canadian teams are going to be at the Canada Cup, which is going on at the same time in Saskatchewan. So you have Jason Gunligson, Tracy Flurry, and then the mixed doubles team of John, Moore, John Morris, Johnny Moe, as you were just talking about, and Kalen Park.
1: I guess he's not really retired, but he's sort he's of sort retired. Of, he's
0: retired from four-person curling, so he is running a restaurant and playing doubles, which sounds... Sounds like the life. Man. I
1: I I will just before we get into the curled whirling cup, all I'll say is with Kennedy and Wozniak Did you just say the curled whirling I cup? Said the curling world cup, sorry. There you go. Uh the Kennedy Mark Kennedy <laughs> being picked up to play third for the next for the Canada Cup, and then Wozniak being picked up to play the national for Team Jacobs, and then Morris mm-hmm. kind of sniffing around in the mixed doubles. I'm like you know, if those three teamed up, that would be a top five team real quick. They just get a beast up front at lead. Uh, <laughs> part of me doesn't believe them. you. Not me. Not me. Uh, like a proper beast. Um, you know, like I, I, I'm not entirely buying the Mark Kennedy, Johnny Mo, I'm retired at 38 or 39 kind of story. But that's just me. But back to the curling World Cup.
0: I mean they're always I I think they're always gonna play. They're never gonna be fully retired, or at least as long as they can until they qualify how long until they qualify for seniors.
1: Oh, they got another twelve years. But here's so here's the funny thing. I was just like trolling through curling zone and Kevin Park is playing with uh, Don Bartlett, right? That is like you know, like not top tier stuff, but nice. you know, it's like I'm like, Yeah, they're like getting the band back together <laughs> <right>? <laughs> early nineties curling. And I'm like I don't get the I don't get the I'm retired kind of thing, right? Like I mean it's up to them. Obviously maybe there's other pressures in their life, maybe, you know, maybe after you've had a taste of Olympic glory, maybe playing in the the beer spiel and, you know, rural Alberta isn't all that great, but there's a, you, if you go through curling zone the deep pages, right? You see a lot of guys late 40s, early 50s who were, you know, briar guys 10, 15 20 years ago and they've they've clearly not retired retired they maybe they, they, well, they obviously all know they're not going to be making the slams this year but I don't get the whole I'm retired thing at 38 but that's just me
0: so so yeah so Gunner uh Tracy flurry's team which is basically Tracy flurry and then the three players that played on team Anderson last year uh, and then Morris and Kalen Park are the canadian side um if you are unfamiliar with some of these teams say you're new to curling here in the u.s and listening to this podcast and you're unfamiliar with uh with these teams jason gun has been around a while last year he played in the wild card game at, at the briar um he's most known for going to russia and Kind of being their national team for a couple of years before leaving Russia. Uh, but this year, he's 21st in the year to date rankings. He's qualified at some tour events. He's two and six uh, in the two GSOC events that he's been in. Uh, team Flurry's been pretty good. Somehow they did not qualify for the Curling World Cup or for the Canada Cup. Uh, they are sixth in the year to date rankings, which I was kind of surprised at. Uh, but they have been successful. Uh, in the slams and that is a that is a very good team uh to watch on the women's side.
1: Yeah. I mean you're you're mixing a good you're mixing last year's Scotty's runner up with one of the top skips in the country. It's yeah, not there That's
0: a really good team.
1: Yeah. And in some ways I think Flurry meshes better with that team personality wise. Just just kind of going off what I've seen in the slams and stuff. I think the I think they'll have good well they obviously do have good team chemistry given their results, so
0: uh, and then a secondary story on that: um, Tracy Fleury's third, uh, Selena Nagovin. Uh, her and her husband are both going to be playing in this in this event because Connor Nagovin is uh, is the lead for for So you've got you have husband and wife duo uh, at this event as well. So that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good to see the good trip for them. Very romantic place to go. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Omaha, Nebraska okay. with their sweetheart in December?
0: They have a good zoo. There's a very good zoo in Omaha. Um, And there's a a lot of indoor indoor exhibits at the zoo. So don't worry about having to go in December. Um, Whoever organized this was really smart and put the U.S. and Canada in the same pool on both the men's and women's sides. You have four U.S.-Canada games uh, for TV purposes and for ticket selling purposes. If you look at the pools on the men's side, John Schuster is going to be in the same pool as Jason Gunligson, uh, Team Zoe from China, which finished second at the recent PACCs. And uh, Jonathan, you may have some insight as to who Scotland is going to send, because I don't think that has been officially announced yet. Do you know who Scotland is sending on the men's uh-huh. side?
1: Well, Ryan, because earlier today you texted me and asked, I started diving deep into the world of Scottish curling Twitter and an account that I believe belongs to Bruce Mewitt's third, Grant Hardy, his mom, I think, <laughs> today retweeted uh, how to get tickets for Omaha, Nebraska's Curling World Cup. So we don't have anything official, but you know, it sounds like Grant Hardy's mom is very excited about going to Omaha, Nebraska in December. Uh, so you can take make of that what you will nothing official that I've seen from British curling or Scottish curling but it would make sense that you would send team Muir and probably I've seen an article with Eve saying she's absolutely going to Omaha this was from a, a month or two back when there's so questions about her hips so I take that as a sign that that Eve's team is the other one uh, on that side so
0: uh, well I think that Grant Hardy's mom is just um, just going to the zoo. Going to the
1: zoo, or she's really, you know, she's on the the coast committee and uh, trying to sell some tickets. Right. Yeah. So
0: all right, so that's a pretty strong little pool there. You've got Schuster Gunner, uh, the team that just finished second at the PACCs, and the team that just won gold at at the Euros. So that's a pretty strong pool. In football, we call that the Group of Death, which is where England normally ends up. And in the other pool, Thomas Ulsrud, who should be well-rested since he did not play at Euros, uh, Yannick Schwaller from Switzerland, Nicholas Adin, who just finished second at Euros, and Yuta Matsumura, who just won gold at the PACC. Well, that's so the group of
1: death, too. One... Man,
0: <laughs> are... is it? So do you think that like, he, he, Adin's
1: going to roll through that pool, right? He should. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough to pick the
0: other pool, to be honest. Uh, probably so. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm hoping Schuster makes it out. There's a so there's a chance that you might wind up with another reem, another Schuster Adine USA Sweden uh, match for gold this time on U.S. soil. And what what would be fun? So they've kind of announced what the TV situation is going to be in the U.S. and Three of the games are going to be on NBC Sports Network, which has pretty good distribution here in the states. And one of them is two. Two of them are the Schuster Gunner games. Both Schuster Gunner games are going to be on NBC Sports Network. Uh, one Thursday night, and then the second one is Saturday night. So you have a chance. Saturday primetime, eight thirty p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. It could be Schuster versus Gunner for the right to play for gold. That'd be good. That would be kind of be cool a good game. Yeah, and you might get some ratings since nothing else is going on um, that Saturday. That would be. Uh, That would be Saturday, December 8th, if that were to happen. You really don't have anything else going on. There's one college football game, uh, one FBS college football game that whole day, the Army-Navy game, uh, and it's at 3 in the afternoon. So you have a chance to kind of have a big piece of the Saturday evening sports watching crowd to possibly capture some of those people, if that were the case. So is NBC Sports Network going to produce it in-house? I'm not sure that I don't, that I don't know. I, I'm, I assume they will. I assume they'll send their own people. All right. But the other games that are going to be on NBCSN Friday night, uh, the doubles team against China and then Thursday night. So Thursday night, prime time, the first, uh, Schuster Gunlickson game is on NBC sports network. And the only thing that is, it's really competing against that night is the NFL and the NFL is, you know, the big and bad uh, ratings grabber here in the States, but the game that they're showing is Jaguars Titans. And there's going to be a lot of people who just don't care. And who knows may switch over to NBC sports network to check out USA, Canada curling. I mean, you've like, like we kind of said, when we talked about this event, it means a lot to put a flag on somebody. And that's what you would have in this case. Like NBC sports network can promote this game as watch USA, Canada. Um, and watch the Olympic gold medalist. So that Thursday night game, you know, maybe you can grab an audience and set same thing Saturday because it's USA, Canada. So it's possible. you got a bit of an
1: audience. I, I, I'm curious to see what the ratings are, actually, to see it outside the Olympics, uh, kind of off year thing for the sport how much and like a proper event not the not the curling net in america thing but like an actual proper yeah it'll be
0: live 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 curling
1: see i'd see what kind of of traction it gets and see i guess also to see if it gets much media coverage in the press leading up to it like it does because like new york times last year kind of got into curling uh you know, USA Today. There's a couple of reporters who clearly kind of—I wouldn't say a curling beat, but it was a bit more in the Olympic lead-up than the usual reporter goes to curling club, curling stupid tries curling. Oh, it's harder than it looks, kind of story. Which, which I'm done with. Mm-hmm. But uh, if there could be a little bit of media coverage around it too, that would be that'd be good.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if anybody covers that other than the Omaha World Herald. Um, on the women's side, uh, Jamie Sinclair is in the same pool. At, and of course, watch, watch Muett just sweep through that pool in that last Schuster-Gunner game mean nothing. Uh, on the women's side, Jamie Sinclair is in the same pool as Tracy Fleury, uh, Alina Kovaleva, who just finished fourth at Euros, and Kim Minji, who just won the PACCs. That is Team Korea and Team Russia with the U.S. and Canada. In the other pool, Hasselborg uh, gets to run roughshod through Team Fujisawa from Japan, who just won second at PACCs, a very unknown Yang Ying team from China, and Team Scotland, who you said will very likely be Team Your Head. What do you make of these pools? Uh, well, Hasselberg's my
1: lock of the week. They're, they're going to get out of that pool for sure. Uh, <sighs> The other pool, I don't know. That's a weird pool. I mean, I th- I think, I think any of the four. Can yeah, win that pool. I, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I I can make a case for any of the four, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you, the, you, even if even if the flurry team doesn't have much international experience, they've got the Slams, they've got the Scotties experience. So there's no, there's no, they're not going to be intimidated being in that pool at all. So yeah, that's that's going to be a tough one. I I, I want to. I'm curious to see how Muirhead is, like how their team is in this event. Is it is was Euros just a blip with a bit of bad luck, or is it a case that they're they're still kind of going to build through the year? So for me, that's the the interesting angle on the women's
0: side. And then in the doubles. Uh, the U.S. is in the same pool as Korea, China, and Switzerland. The Chinese team has Ba De Shin, who has Olympic experience, and the Switzerland team is the team that I believe won silver last year. I think it's the same group. So pretty strong field there. And then the can- can- the Canada's pool is China, Russia, and Norway. So... I don't know. I don't know how strong some of these teams are and it's it's at least going to be fun to see John Morris play again. I don't know how many I don't know how many events he's played in recently. I think he played in one here in the states a while back cuz I think I saw him at a Wisconsin game or something like that when he <laughs> when he when he was between games. So is he doing like mixed doubles in Wisconsin or I believe so. I think they played in some spiel in Madison.
1: I think he, so I, I, he's kind of so he's getting around a lot, but he, his partner keeps changing. I think him, him and Caitlin have only done one like mixed doubles spiel so far this yeah. year. I I think that I honestly think that one of the things he's trying to do right now is grow mixed doubles. Like he's he's Mr. Mixed Doubles Ambassador at the moment. So I I don't. I actually think he's gonna be like coming to play. I think I well, Johnny Moe never doesn't come to play, but uh, it's he's not taking a victory lap. I think he's you know Kalen Parks, former Canadian champ in mixed doubles. It's a it's a good pickup, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I have a hard time seeing that team not get out of that pool. Like I think that they're they're just clearly even if it's like a new partnership, it's uh, I think I think they'll do well. Uh, the other pools again tough to pick
0: probably all right so last event we saw a Canadian sweep Any chance we see that again
1: uh, I mean there's a chance right I think maybe people like, to me I'm like people are sleeping on Gunner. We, we didn't mention his perfect game this week and we should just kind of flag that because that's kind of a funny I'm calling it a perfect game I don't know what a perfect game in is curling but there's a, a line score from the Ashley Holmstower curling classic where Gunner Jason Gunlingson took down Sean Giel one to nothing won the hammer and then blanked seven straight ends <laughs> and uh, one by one in the in the era of the five rock free guard zone so I, I think Gunner, he, he's like you know you he, he said he's 21st in the year to date he's kind of always been in that like not quite slam team tier but always kind of kind of nipping at it and uh, like he can, he throws it as hard as anyone. There was a, a clip a few few weeks back uh, on YouTube where I think he he threw a well, he threw a quad peel. There's like four rocks all like well frozen. I think any other skip in the right mind would have just taken the draw for one, and he just blanked the end by throwing a quad peel. It looked like so <laughs> that that's Gunner for you. Uh, and so they're the kind of team that definitely. Are as strong as any of the other teams there, even if they don't have the the name recognition. So they they definitely can win. The Flurry team, like I said, is as experienced as any of the women's teams there. So yeah, a Canadian sweep's possible, but you know, there's a lot of this is not like a quad ago. Let's say like a twenty. if This is 2015 or 2013. Probably a Canadian sweep was likely. I just think the rest of the world's definitely caught up, uh, and so not likely is how I
0: put it. All right. So if you're looking to watch that event in Canada, I believe it's on TSN. It's on NBC. The games I mentioned that are on NBC Sports Network, the rest should be on Olympic Channel, which is a less distributed channel from the NBC Universal family of networks. And elsewhere, I believe you can just watch it on YouTube. I believe that's what you'll be doing, right?
1: Yeah, I watch YouTube. I mean, I'm kind of sad the Euros are over because that was sweet. All the games were like really good times for me to watch. There's no no staying up till two in the morning watching curling. No, you know, none of this Asian stuff where it's like get up at seven a.m. to see the evening game or something. Right? It's uh, it's it's at a good time. I'll I'll try to catch as much as I can. But to be honest, if it's not in the European zone with work and everything else, it's it's often hard for me to catch the games. But I assume. They'll be, um, they'll be YouTube for me.
0: Yeah. You might be able to catch some afternoon draws. Yeah, it just
1: depends. It's just, it's just trickier, right? It's I mean, I'm sure you have the same yeah. thing with Euros that I kind of experience, right? That the times aren't ideal and then yeah. it's it's a bit trickier to catch.
0: It's it's a lot easier to catch when they're in that time zone that you're in where it's only five hours ahead. Talene was seven hours ahead, so it was a little bit trickier. Um, yeah same yeah same thing the other event that's going on at the same time is the Canada Cup and this is going on in Saskatchewan it's a smaller field seven men's teams eight women's teams basically the top teams in Canada you should be able to see this in the states i if i remember correctly last year you were able to see it on espn espn 3 which should be espn plus this year but it's it's another tsn televised event. The winners, so the winner of this event I think the next two years get automatic births to the Olympic trials. The winner of this year's event gets an automatic berth into the pre-trials for the 2020 Olympics and the winners of this event will be Team Canada at one of the legs of next year's Curling World Cup. As you mentioned earlier, Team Jacobs will be without Ryan Fry. They're adding Mark Kennedy at third. Um, any other news from from this event, or how do you think it's going? I think on both sides, I think it's a pretty evenly matched, evenly matched event.
1: Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's been interesting. I, this is probably the first.
0: I mean, I know the Slams are the big events, but uh, this is probably the. F- this is when teams are starting to gear up. They're get starting to gear up for provincials and then the bright. Yeah, Scouts. right, and so. You know, one
1: of the things that's interesting is the teams that have been hot out of the gate this year is Epping. If I'm just looking at the CTRS standing on the men's mm-hmm. side, Epping and Kui have kind of come out really hot out of the gate. Gushu, by his standards, has been a bit slow. Glenn Howard's kind of still kicking around there. Uh, he's not in this, though, is he? And then and Carruthers mm-hmm. has had a bit of
0: a slow start by their standards, too, right? So, Yep. The, the Gushu and Botcher teams, I believe they started out slow, almost on purpose. They haven't been playing in a ton of events. Um, Botcher, when he has played in events, has done really well. But I think both he and Gushu kind of kind of eased back on the gas this year to start out a new quad, which is probably yeah. pretty smart. And
1: then uh, on the women's side, like, Holman's still at the top. And then Einerson's kind of... Surprised everyone? I'd say like I wouldn't say surprised everyone, but the the four skips talk has definitely been put by the wayside given their stop. Jones is still up there. Yeah, they were world beaters. Yeah, at the Jones is of the season. like nothing's. She hasn't missed a the beat. They just reload. So. I, my hunch there's it's probably Holman and Jones on the women's side. The men's side, the men's side's a bit more intriguing to me just primarily because Holman and Jones didn't really I guess Jones made one change. Holman just kind of ran it back. Uh, so th- they're probably the most established. maybe a, maybe a new team kind of would shake it up and make it a bit interesting, but it's probably a holman and Jones showdown that they always those teams always show up for the big events. Men's side, I think it's our first chance to really see, like, who's a contender and who's a pretender in terms of the the new quad for for uh, the you know the roar mm-hmm. of the rings playdowns, right? Our first real taste of that, so uh,
0: we'll see. Yeah, and and Dunstone gets to play in front of the home crowd there in Saskatchewan, so don't you know. Don't count them out. (laughs) You know, don't, don't, don't over, don't overlook them. And then on the women's, on the women's side, don't overlook that flaxy team. They, they play pretty solid. I think Kate Cameron's one of the best thirds in all of women's curling. So even though that team isn't necessarily a, name brand team that you see on commercials I think that's a really solid team
1: yeah I think that's an interesting team too there's a there's a bunch of teams that uh like i I've got to go to your chart that you created and kind of look down <laughs> and like they haven't all kind of locked in like if they're not playing in the slams the, to be honest uh I'm not good at the, the I, I don't I don't really consider those teams tier two i think it's a bit of insult to, to them but you know what I'm saying like if they're not like the, mm-hmm. they're not like you said the sponsored TV commercial teams they maybe don't make as much of an impression on me but yeah, is a team you don't want to to sleep on. Definitely, they've got a lot of talent there too.
0: Yep. So on the men's side, on the men's side, this could be a Briar preview because you look at the the seven men's teams and the only duplicate region, and I say region because Northern Ontario is considered separate for for Briar purposes. The only duplicate region there is you've got two teams from Alberta, so it is completely within reason that. Every team that's playing in the Canada Cup on the men's side winds up in the Briar. But you look on the women's side, with the eight teams there, you have four from Manitoba, three from Alberta, and then Rachel Homan. So at most five of those teams are going to make it to the Scotties. So men's side could be a Briar preview. We may see every single one of those teams uh, at the Briar. The Scotties, you know, this is kind of a pre basically it's a preview of provincials right
1: well i i mean one of the things is it's yeah this the women's alberta and manitoba playdowns this year are going to be bloodbaths, right Yes, it's just going to be uh crazy and that's just kind of how all the teams shook out this year um so yeah i think but you're right. So the men's side, it's it's probably pretty close to. And ha- it seems like the men. I'm not sure if they. I, I wouldn't say they colluded, but it was interesting how it all worked out. That every province seemed to have one or two kind of super teams, for lack of a better term. It's like it kinda, they drafted. It's like they took. A, <laughs> it's like they drafted. Yeah, it kind of is, right? And you know, it's it's. I, I'm curious how that all worked out. And there's a couple of provinces that that kind of might, uh, you know, like like a BC. Kind of with with Johnny Mo stepping back and the Cotter team kind of maybe taking a step back,
0: like BC is a place they could kind of fill. I don't know. He added. Yeah, he added true. Steve that's Lake. So, solid a, I think team. that's yeah. a solid. It may not be a one through four solid team, but you put those two guys yeah, it's together, still a that's good a good team. But it
1: is it is kind of interesting. You have you have a lot of really that, good draw true. weight that's on that. see how they play out. But it's like you know you go BC Alberta News. You know you go from the west coast at least till you get to Quebec, and it's you've got yeah, basically two really good teams, each province, uh, a lot more distribution than the women's side. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. right. It'll be fun to watch. Hopefully it does wind up on ESPN plus and I can see some of those games when while uh, while the curling World Cup is going on. You know, That's getting to the end of it. I think the only thing that I really wanted to bring up was uh, in Canada, their club championships, with the, which they call the Travelers, just happened. Uh, Richmond Curling Club, not Richmond, Virginia. This is Richmond, BC. Uh, one on the men's side and Calgary Curling Club, one on the women's side, which got me to thinking, Jonathan, what do you think of if we did some kind of challenge cup where we got the club champs from Canada and the club champs from the U S and and had them meet?
1: Well, so, all right, here's the thing that's funny is, uh, there actually is a tournament that does this sort of called the pick the Pacific international curling championship. Mm-hmm. And historically the men's and women's winners of the club championship in the U S get invites there and they invite, kind of strong club teams from a lot of different Asian Pacific countries. So like the Australians send their team, the New Zealand, the Kiwis go, uh, teams from Japan and Korea go. So there actually is a little spiel there. That's, that's kind of been doing that for a good 15, 20 years now. Uh, I, th- I think, I think it'd be great at it's hosted at the Richmond curling club. And oh, they, wow. and then one of the things they've done historically is I, I'm not sure if they still do it for the travelers Playdowns, but when the pick predates the Travelers, but I played in that one year. Like Texas got an invite, so I so it was like me, Nick Myers, and a couple other guys from the Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth club were Team Texas, and it, it was we had a blast. Uh, I think I've actually, oh, I've act- you know what? I've heard some stories about that trip. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no drinking there because there's no drinking in curling, Run. No, uh, there's no drinking. And curling. Yeah. So yeah, uh, no, it, it's a, it was a great event. I think. Like yeah, it would be great to create some kind of international club championship. Right? Like I think that if we're talking about the the curling middle class or what happens to kind of elite club versus or kind of semi-competitive teams like the the Weekend Warriors as opposed to the full-time pro athletes, I'd like to see something so that your your choices are not simply either you know, playing in a beer spiel or playing in a slam. So maybe, maybe the path. I know a lot of competitive curlers, kind of, especially in Canada, look down their nose at the Travelers Championship. But maybe if uh, the game's gone pro, then maybe that next tier down starts kind of gearing their season towards something like the Travelers or some other kind of competitive amateur event, if you will.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be fun to have some core, some sort of internet, you know, something beyond something internationally that you could do if you win your club championship. And like, if it's the U S you know, maybe you get the two club champs, the two senior champs and the mixed champs, and that's a best of five. And you're playing for something. Yeah. Ryder Cup style. It's
1: something. I think it'd be cool to see something happen at yep. that level.
0: Yep. Uh, oh you have some big big personal curling news from this weekend, right? I asked you how your weekend went, and you failed to mention uh, what you did curling-wise. Oh, yeah. We're burying the lead here, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> forget the Euros.
1: All the real action in European curling this week was at the Kent and Sussex Bonspiel at Fenton's Rink.
0: Was there any drinking at the Kent and Sussex? Uh, you
1: know school? the problem. Right, the problem with Fenton's Rink is because it's in the country, and I've got to drive there. Like, it's it's a good, it's a good four or five miles from any kind of public transport, so uh, you cannot, you can't tie one on at Fenton's Rink, unfortunately. <laughs> and that that may be why we won. <laughs> so, <'cause, laughs> you know. <laughs> your performance on ice is kind of inversely proportional to the amount of beer you have right the more beer you have the less or at least for me the less well i do tend to do so yeah you know we won the whole thing uh nice good time what'd you get uh i won a trophy a bottle of wine and a box of chocolates so oh very nice
0: like good chocolate like Swiss or what are we talking here? A
1: box of kind of Cadbury mini, the kind of mini chocolates you give out at Halloween. If you're a cheap bastard,
0: as opposed, they to gave to, you, know, you Cadbury mini eggs for winning a bond spiel. Basically,
1: yeah, it's all that's all right. Fantastic. It was it was. I've got a bottle, a good bottle of wine, a good bottle of
0: Chardonnay. And is that uh, better? Is that better or worse than the haggis spiel?
1: Uh well, the haggis spiel. I won a bottle of Freig, and that was. uh I, I like if you like Scotch and you like LaFroy LaFroy's admittedly kind of a PD scotch, but I, I like it. So I was pretty happy with that prize. So like I've said, I'm a really good curler on the DCT, the drinking curling tour. That's like kind of my my zone, my wheelhouse. So uh and actually I think that's my first Bonspiel spiel I've won in England. Cause there's only like one or two a year. So there's not many kicks at the can at that. So if you can't so how many different countries is that that you've won a bond spiel? So in one one outright, uh, four. So I've won in Canada. Four different four, Canada, countries. Canada, the U.S., Scotland, and England. If you count England and Scotland as two different countries.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, for curling purposes. For curling yes. purposes,
1: yes. I guess I've won a prize. I won a big hunk of cheese as like a consolation event in Cortina, Italy. I'm trying to think of any other countries I've won in. I think that's the only place I've won Spiels in. And I think we're talking now
0: about Prague in January, which I'm kind of excited by. So, oh, there you go. So, is that another? Is that? I assume that's also on the DCT.
1: That's no. It looks like semi competitive. I think it's kind of like oh. a good Spiel for teams in the B pool, and we're we're picking that out as kind of a tune up. I think for for men's, so
0: because you got to go qualify for Euros now, right?
1: Oh yeah, the yeah yeah
0: has <laughs> a. Uh, has the number so? To, are we are we going to see like a record number of entrants into the men's playdowns now that you can get into A's for the European A's for the first time since like two thousand two, I think, for England. So uh, two thousand three. One of
1: the there are many peculiar features to English curling. One of the the very peculiar features is you have to sign up in August the year before. <laughs> so this field is already in fact set for February. You, oh, that's great. You can shuffle your lineups. You're allowed to change players up to 48 hours beforehand, but uh, the field is set at eight teams, which I'm pretty excited by because that's that's a bit up for England. Last year was seven and eight makes a nice even draw. So eight team round Robin, uh, top two teams advance to a final unless one team runs the field and all other teams are on two losses. That's the kind of way the English championship is played.
0: All right. So the ne- so shoot, our next broadcast we may be previewing it.
1: Well, I hope we're doing a bit more between now and February. But
0: oh, I thought you said January. Sorry, yeah. know the, yeah. the next right, well,
1: February weekend of February twenty fourth. I've got maybe the mixed doubles. Got to talk to my potential partner and see if she's still up for that. But I, I did put some money down to hold the spot for that. So that's uh, that's late January, and then uh mixed with friend of the pod one of our listeners Stu brand so we'll give a shout out to Stu, doing mixed with Stu and the spain sisters and that's in march so i've got one championship a month so you can follow my uh whatever it'll be
0: <laughs> my season of glory or my season of pain i don't know And then when everyone else in the world is done curling, I'll be able to start and then I will quickly stop because then I will have a kid. Uh, so my, my curling season this year is going to be about three weeks long. So thank you everybody for listening to this podcast. Uh, You can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Those reviews help other people find us. Uh, The best thing that you can do for us is let your friends know if you enjoyed this podcast. And if you didn't, uh, please lie to your friends and tell them that you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, If you want to tell us uh, anything we got wrong or let us know if you enjoyed the podcast, you can get a hold of us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at curling podcast thank you again and we will talk to you soon